Today, we're talking about Fuels of the Future with Lisa Lott Nordholm, Vice President and General Manager of Clean Energy and Global Platforms at DFS. With over a decade of experience within the industry, Lisa Lott leads the strategy and vision for developing new and innovative products and solutions for DFS's best-in-class line of dispenser offerings around the world. We'll discuss everything there is to know about emerging energies and future fuels, including hydrogen and electric vehicle charging. a lot thank you for joining us today how are you i'm good thanks jen how are you i'm good thank you you ready to talk about fuels of the future yeah absolutely always happy to talk about that great okay then let's let's go um decarbonization and energy diversification are they already impacting the fuel and convenience retail industry how might the further impact the industry in the future mm-hmm. So I would say that answer really differs a little bit uh, depending on what part of the world you are. Uh, But I would say the short answer is yes, it's absolutely impacting it already. We're starting to see a lot more variation of different types of cars and trucks on the roads. And of course, the fuel retail industry needs to adapt to accommodate for all of that. And I think that's a shift that, you know, has started in most locations. I think we'll see that speeding up. And of course, that will impact uh, the offerings on, on sites to a much greater extent as we move forward. Okay. Um, and for those that don't know, generally, what type of clean fuels are available and why are they important? Yeah. So I think what would we typically classify as clean fuels are hydrogen, compressed natural gas and liquefied natural gas and uh, electrical vehicle charging. I would say those are the traditional sort of clean energy types. Uh, there's then a wide range of synthetic fuels and e-fuels and sort of variations to your traditional uh, petrol and diesels that also makes them, I would say, more environmentally friendly than what the tri- more traditional offerings have been. You mentioned hydrogen and electric vehicle charging. Do you think that that these two fuels will lead the way when it comes to decarbonisation or do you think it's a multi-pronged approach with, with all of the fuels that you mentioned in the previous question? I think it's a multi-prone approach, but and also varying a little bit in terms of what type of vehicle you're looking at. I think for passenger cars, we're really seeing a strong drive in electrical vehicle charging. Uh, so I think we will continue to see that increase very rapidly in many parts of the world. Uh, when it comes to the heavy duty uh, traffic, I think uh, liquefied natural gas is there and, and doing very well. But I think we're also going to see a lot more uh, of hydrogen uh, in that segment going forward. So depending a little bit on in, in terms of what type of vehicle you're looking at, but uh, I would say those are probably the, the key ones yeah. we're looking at there. It's interesting, um, depending on the vehicle type and, and the country that you've mentioned before, and particularly at DFS, we say it's not one size fits all. And Can you elaborate what we mean when we say this? Yeah, and I think this is similar actually to what we've seen in the in the traditional fuel or conventional fuel industry as well, is that there's different types of sites and needs depending on where you are, if you're in the middle of a city or if you're in a more rural location, 
you know, that impacts what type of site that you're installing. When it comes to clean energy, that adds an additional layer of complexity because you also need to consider that the fueling or uh, charging is a very different process than what you've previously seen. So you need to plan for exactly, for example, an electrical vehicle charging process might take sort of 20 to 30 minutes versus the five minutes that you might be used to from your petrol fueling process. Uh, and of course, the sites need to be built and structured in a way so that they can handle that traffic and also make sure that they cater so that people have something to do during that process and that they can make the, the most of that time people spend on site. Uh, and the same goes across all of these different types. They have a, it's just a slightly different filling behavior than what we're used to, and the site needs to be structured for it. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And we talk about clean energy and, and its role and what's what's available, but, but what is clean energy and alternative fuel? What role is that playing in the retail and um, fuel and retail convenience industry right now? So I think right now we're seeing uh, that a lot of them are trying to start to incorporate this into their site infrastructure. So I think you do see a lot of sites that have EV chargers linked to, or to their stations today. Um, you know, we've, we've seen over many years, you've seen introductions of uh, fuels like ethanol or diesel exhaust fluids and, you know, all of these different types of variation. The sites are used to making these transitions, but I would say right now it's a bigger transition because you need a let's say more equipment on site with more EV chargers. And if you are going to do the whole gas side as well with hydrogen or LNG or compressed natural yeah. gas, again, there's a lot of additional items that need to be installed. So you just need, you, you need a space to be able to handle it and decide what belongs with your traditional site and what might require uh, an additional or setup. Following on from that, I think it would be interesting for those that are, looking into the clean energy sector and seeing what they want to invest in is it possible for multiple clean fuels to be installed on the same forecourt and can that potentially be done for old and new sites mm. it certainly can so it's, it's, it's all a matter of space of course that you need to be able to get the equipment on there uh, but there's uh, a lot of possibility to combine so with a new if if you look at your traditional fuel retail site with conventional fuels, you know, there's great possibilities to combine that with electrical vehicle charging on site. Uh, you can combine with uh, any type of sort of gas products on there as well. Uh, I would say that when you look at uh, LNG or hydrogen for heavy duty trucks, of course, normally you may not want to have that on, on your main forecourt. You may want to have more of a truck stop or a fleet station to accommodate for that. But it can all be built into the same type of uh, site, as a site infrastructure system so that you can control all of your equipment um, through one system. There's a sense that the demand for clean energy is progressing at, at quite a rapid pace. What, how do you see the demand changing over the next five years? So I would say it's an area where people really have, uh, let's say there's, there's two views where some people feel like this is moving very, very quick and, you know, we're already very far ahead in making this transition while while others see it as you know being very slow and we're just at a starting point i think we're probably somewhere in the middle uh there's 
definitely a lot of activity in many parts of the world. Uh, but at the same time, we're, we're, it's really early days, especially when you look at things like hydrogen. Uh, you know, it, there are sites out there, but it's just starting up. Okay. So there's a lot more work that needs to be done to get this properly up and running uh, and really build the infrastructure. And to be honest, you know, EV is probably the more advanced of the uh, of the mm-hmm. two, but even there, we're still really missing proper infrastructure out there. So we see a lot of cars on the road, uh, but there's not an enough uh, fast chargers out there to to handle the demand in most locations. And you said there's a lot of work to be done. Should fuel retailers be mm-hmm. acting now? And what should they be taking into consideration now before making investment mm-hmm. in new energies? Yeah, so, so I think they should be acting now. Uh, as I said, there, there's a lot of planning that needs to go into making this transition or to be part of this transition. So first of all, as I say, we talked about the space on site. Are they able to actually get these additional uh, energy types onto their existing networks or are new locations needed? Are there things that you know they may, may need to exchange to accommodate this? Uh, and there's also a lot of different, um, I'll say, additional things that they need to consider in terms of making sure, do, do you know, do they have a, is the power grid there? Is it ready to support it? Is, um, do they have the right site permits in place? You know, all of these takes time to plan for. So the sooner they get started on that and really decide on what are the energy types they want to invest in and then start preparations for that, you know, the, the sooner the better. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's an awful lot of talk and a number of reports suggesting IEC vehicles will still be in operation long after 2030. And obviously no one has a crystal ball and no one can foresee what's going to happen. But but what does this mean for a few retailers when they're making these sorts of investment decisions? Mm-hmm. Well, it means that they need to consider that they will need to cater both for the conventional fuels and the new energy types. And they're going to need to do that in parallel for quite some time. So I think, again, it's back to how they plan their sites, look at their customer base and decide on, you know, what is the right balance between uh, the conventional fuels and the clean energy types and what what should they be offering for, let's say, the foreseeable future to be able to cater for all of their customers. I agree. Um, And in terms of fuel retailers, how can they support decarbonisation while navigating the energy shift? Are they, is there anything they need to be mindful of or can small steps make a big difference in the long term? Uh, I think small steps can make a big difference, certainly. So I think it's all about making sure that, the, let's say, we need to make sure that the infrastructure is there. And not everything is going to be massive stations. So, you know, even the smallest site owner uh, should consider, you know, how they can play a part in that, how they can play a part in building up that infrastructure so that we can help speed up that transition. So I think everyone has a role to play in this, for sure. And just to summarise, what would you say are the key takeaways for our audience when it comes to clean fuel investment and sustainability? I think it is that, you know, don't wait. It is time to start thinking about this now. Uh, Make sure that you're a part of it early on and that uh, you start thinking about what investments you need to make, what is right for your sites uh, and your customers. And uh, act now. Act now. It's time to go. (laughs) Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lisa.
Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fuels of the Future. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Lisa Lott Nordholm. If you'd like to support the podcast, feel free to share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a review. To catch all the latest from Dover Fueling Solutions, you can follow us on LinkedIn or visit our website, www.doverfuelingsolutions.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next month, where we continue to fuel the conversation.